This is Men in Progress. I'm your host, Bobby Dennis, and I'm a prevention educator with Access. Our mission is to address the roots and impact of violence in our community. My role at Access focuses on engaging men in the movement to end sexual assault and domestic violence. Each week, we'll be joined by a guest from the community who will bring us into their story. We will hear about what has shaped them as a man, struggles they have faced, and successes they have found, and what it means to be a man for themselves. We will also spend some time answering questions that young men in the community may want to know around life decisions, shared experiences, and what it means to be a man. Hello, listener, and welcome to another episode of Men in Progress. And so, actually, this is our second to last episode. So, um, we have today, then this episode you're listening to today, and then next week is actually going to be our final episode. And I'll talk a little bit more about that at the end of the show again. To, at the end of the show today, um, and share with you a little bit about what what I anticipate us doing next week, and then also um, just spend some time thanking you for. Um, kind of being on this journey with us throughout the um, throughout the course of this show, which has now ran a full year. Um, I know from from our standpoint of access, we're really grateful for the individuals that have tuned in week after week and our podcast listeners. Um, it's been really um, a really enjoyable, fun experience for us, and also been a experience where we've had a lot of great guests on this show. Um, that have really taught us a lot, and I know taught me a lot over the course of the year. Um, I kind of alluded to this our on our show a couple weeks ago. We did a special show, um, it, what I've titled now Men in Progress Song Show, where we had a bunch of musicians come in and collaborate, and uh, or not collaborate, we took snips from our interviews where musicians played, and we talked a little bit about those clips and talked about the importance of music in um, the lives of those men and uh, how they were using music to process. Um, this week we're going to do something similar. Um, we're actually going to have a poetry show. So this is the Men in Progress Poetry Show. And we're going to take snips from a few interviews where um, some men from our community shared poetry they wrote. And they talked a little bit about the importance of poetry in their lives so yeah, we, we thank you so much for joining in with us. All right, our first interview today actually comes from a, um, it's actually a musician, so I know that we said we were going to do a poetry show, and then I, the first thing I do is jump in with a musician. Um, it's a clip from uh, the interview with Joe Loving, Lovin, Joe Lovin, Joseph Lovin, um, a friend of mine that was here from Colorado, and the reason I chose to share some of his music is because he didn't have an I didn't have an opportunity to fit it into the song show, but he's also a very poetic lyricist, and so he talked a little bit about in his interview the importance of poetry in his life and um, how how lyrics are really about telling a story and um, being a poet. And so this next song, or the the only song we'll play today actually, um, is is a really good example of how music is poetry for him. Um, yeah, this, uh, this one is uh, probably Bobby's favorite song. I'll just start off play it.
sunspots on the honeysuckle branches run through my fingers, but where has my fire gone? Firelight sways right along and plays upon the faces of those that I've walked with so long. Where has my fire gone? toil or spin so what can be said about you my child I I was the one the fire in your bones Fireflies dance to the song of the cascading cadence of cicadas in the summer. But where, where has my fire gone? The lightning flashes and sears the tender tissue in my eye. So strike me ignite All lilies of the field don't toil or spin So what can be said about you, my child? I, I was the one, the fire child I I am the one the fire in your bones fire in your bones
Yeah, thank you for listening to that song. We had a really fun interview that day, and um, you could go listen to it on the archives. Um, he talked a lot about the importance of mentoring in his life and talked a lot about how for him as a as a man now, 23, growing how that was um, really, how that is really important for him. Um, our next interview, or our next snippet is actually from um, a local poet and musician, Jim Kopic. And so he, uh, this one's a little long. Um, it's not a little long. It's the perfect amount of time, but it is a 15 minute poem. Um, and, uh, it was a poem that was written by Jim. Um, and he'll talk about this at the end of the set, at the end of the poem. Um, it was written really about his time in New York and him processing and just witnessing that city, um, in his early twenties and kind of how that that was like a coming to coming of age environment for him. Um, so yeah, just go ahead and, and give this one a listen. Um, so it's called Manhattan Beatitude, 1997, and it begins with a couple epigraphs. New York is cold, but I like where I'm living, Leonard Cohen. And remember tonight, for it is the beginning of always, Dante Alighieri. Part one. Blessed be, blessed be he. Blessed be steam rising from sidewalk grates, subways and steam tunnels, sewers and storm drains, the subterranean veins of the living city. Blessed the pavement, blessed the trees, blessed the thousand temples to an empty cross, blessed the virgin tattooed to the chests of the working class, the black-haired cleaners and hard-handed constructors, the moving men and green shirt security for countless buildings that hang like eternal wind chimes from the gray slate sky. Blessed the vegetables endlessly rotting in Chinatown sidewalk crates. Blessed the bleakness of Soho walls. Blessed the village and all who remember. Blessed streetlights hard filtered through the urban haze on the faces of the club kids and closet freaks winding their way through Washington Square Park waiting for a hit. Blessed the man in surplus fatigues calling cannabis, cannabis, cannabis. Blessed the hidden transactions, the knowing glances of chessmen as they Con, the tourist fortune in $5 installments, blessed be Times Square, the memory of sin, the hollow women who haunt her doorways, their track marks and wasted blood, their empty talk of the life that comes after, blessed be street vendors and street magicians, street dancers and street musicians, blessed be street people, their cardboard signs and sunken eyes, blessed the hunger deep enough, the stomach eats itself, blessed the the loose bowel discharge on the seats and floors of a hundred public toilets. Blessed the prisons that hold your crimes and return heat, beds, and concrete dignity. Blessed be green cards or cash payment. Blessed Babel, the monolith restored. Blessed the memory of five points. Cosa Nostra, the poker-faced harbor lady who welcomes them. Blessed the poets and painters of the Lower East Side. Tradesmen in beauty. Blessed Pinheiro, New Eureka and junkie Christ, ashes scattered to the wind and snorted back into a thousand pale imitations. Blessed be, blessed be he. Part two. 
Rico Fonseca selling painted boards on the corner, a one-man factory not far now to the park, Forth and McDougal, Waverly and University, the arch, the fountain, the hanging tree. How many bodies buried beneath? Ask the grass how deep its roots. Ask the tree. Geezer's been part of the park since before most of you were born. Some say Geezer sold dope to the hippies and the beatniks. Some say Geezer sold dope to the Dutch. Geezer has a face as old as the Washington statue, only Geezer's is clay all crevice and modeling the day after Ginsburg died. Geezer was in the park, didn't even know what happened, asked me to show him a picture, said he didn't remember, but the guy probably came here. Geezer asked me why the village was full, why the people were crying. I told him they came to be where Ginsburg was. You mean is, Geezer said. Nobody gonna spend that much time here just to disappear when he die. You think I'm gonna stop coming here just because I stop breathing? These sidewalks are bones. The fountain is blood. This is communion. The Washington Square Temple. Part three, blessed be, blessed be Jersey, the Cuban flop house that lets us live close enough to commune with the city. Blessed the boroughs, the trains, the tunnels, the bridges and ferries. Blessed the buses and subways, the impenetrable odor of taxicab fabric. Blessed the car horns and traffic reports, the bass thunder of Brooklyn four doors. Blessed the distortion of traffic haze, the steamy prism that hangs over the street like cataract vision. Blessed the drivers locked doors and shut windows blessed the messengers their bicycles falling through traffic like sand through an hourglass blessed be steam rising from the living city blessed the buildings mountain high and impenetrable the one day per year the westward sun rests at street level part four two cars pass then nothing we are alone under the bridge, the park empty. You tell me it is because the old are too afraid to come here after dark and the young don't move before midnight. This is our last night together. Your hair hangs loose and dark. I can see that you've lost more weight. I remember how your angles gleamed in the sweat and the moonlight, how the shadows clung to your hollows. I remember the silken, moist smoothness of your body as I entered it. I will miss you. Part 5. The next morning, the terminal at Port Authority swallowed you whole. You wrote once, told me of buses and buses bulleting hard through the American interior. You are gone from this city. This city is gone. Part 6. Blessed be the pedophiles the rank and file of clergymen. Blessed the 96% believed not to have disgraced the cloth. Blessed the true believers who mass on the Sabbath despite rumors the church will not resurrect. Blessed the crucifix body of Christ draped from its limbs like a holy wooden pieta. Blessed the Protestants who remove the body and disturb the dust. Blessed the altars and their relics, the candles and prayers of wrinkled women. Blessed the coffers, the pews, the confessional and hidden sacristy. Blessed the believer, blind, deaf and redeemed, blessed be, blessed be he.
Part 7. Blessed be the living city, the club floors writhing with serpentine limbs and spilled drinks, blessed bass, the belly on which club music crawls, blessed the sweat and tight dresses, the holy vacant eyes, the rapturous postures and impossible rhythms of the wailing and gnashing of turn tables, blessed the beat, body, and blood of the Manhattan night, part 8, 1997, Princess Diana is dead. B.I.G. is dead. William S. Burroughs is dead. Denise Levertau is dead. Red Skelton is dead. Heaven's Gate are dead. Gianni Versace is dead. Ding Jiaping is dead. Mother Teresa is dead. James Michener is dead. Mike Royko is dead. Colonel Tom Parker is dead. Anton LaVey, the immortal, is dead. Dead David Ignatow is dead. James Dickey is dead. Jacques Cousteau is dead. William Brennan is dead. My grandfather is dead. 1997, Allen Ginsberg is dead. Blessed be. Part 9. Blessed be. Blessed be. Blessed be he. Ten good men gather. Eight hundred pages lie in state. May his great name grow exalted and sanctified. The congregation offers its amen. In the world that he created as he willed, the club fee kids and dope fiends recognize the eternal tragedy of the Kaddish playing out slow to fast. Thirty-three to forty-five. Another twelve revolutions with each minute passing. May he give reign to his kingship in your lifetimes and in your days and in the lifetimes of the entire family of Israel swiftly and soon the limbs move of their own accord now say the bodies entangle the floor a living mass of mourners all say together amen may his great name be blessed forever and ever the stately poems rise from their beers and sway with the rhythms blessed praised glorified exalted extolled mighty of Praised and lauded be the name of the Holy One. Blessed be he beyond any blessing or song, praise and consolation that are uttered in the world. Now say, Amen. May there be abundant peace from heaven and life upon us and upon all Israel. Now say, Amen. He who makes peace in his heights, may he make peace upon us and upon all Israel. Now say, Amen. Part 10. Amen. Part 11. The waterfront is boats and tunnels, docks and cranes, crates filled with designer dresses and cheap shoes, Asian electronic televisions, hand-woven window treatments, the pieces and parts of the American assembled automobile, the third world dreams and indentured goods of a million manufactured servants who two generations ago might have found these shores themselves, the memory of an Ellis Island ferry not yet given over to tourists, the lighthouse decommissioned, the statue a museum, the battery a neatly landscaped simulacrum. Part 12, the skin 
of the living city is bleached and concrete. Below it run subway veins and steam tunnel capillaries. Storm drains and forgotten caverns turn the city inside out and there's still traffic on the surface. Turn the city inside out and it's still almost as deep. Thirteen, blessed be, blessed be. Blessed the steps of port authority, teeth gone, crying for change. Blessed the mothers and their children, the Vietnam vets, the poor and psychotic. Blessed the prostitutes, the men they serve. Blessed the junkies and junk dealers, the habit itself. Blessed the stale hands and cold breath of a sleepless 2 a.m. 14. Back to the bridge, I kissed you. I remember it now. I thought about your body and how it had rested against mine so many summer nights, ignoring the heat and dampness in the air. I thought about your body leaning toward me, saying goodbye for real this time, and I kissed you. I leaned out with my right hand, smoothed the hair back from the side of your face, and tried to tell you that you were beautiful. The words wouldn't come, so I rested my lips against yours and took my last physical memory. After that, the city was thicker, the air more stifling. After that, the summers were unbearable. Fifteen, blessed be the rush of warm bodies, the act of disappearing, the crush of a 512 train, blessed the coffee shops and solitude, temp jobs and sidewalks, blessed the clubs, the noise and the violence, blessed the beat, the bass, inside and outside the body, blessed the smoke and the stage lights, the techno haze and mass of bodies, blessed the buildings, miles high and luminous, us, crowding from all sides, holding the heat of the city, blessed the streets and their pavement, the cars and the smell of cars, blessed cathedrals and synagogues, the weight of their doors, blessed be, part 16, 1997, Ginsburg is dead. I learned the Kaddish from a book someone gave me his absence echoes from every sheer wall you are gone from this city everything i see is returned to dust I'm intentionally taking just time to like process through all of that and it was a long poem but i think and um, noisy <laughs> <laughs> yeah in, in the good way though in the in the way that I think when I when I listen to it even how you read it everything you say do every single like line and word is so intentional um, and I think it's really reflective of, of the heart I know you have and then um, also some of that time in New York so do you want to do you want to talk to us about um, you know what what led you into writing this specifically um, reflecting some on on New York too, like yeah. Um, well, New York for me was twenty one, twenty two years old. You know, uh, 
I moved around a lot as a kid. I lived in cities and towns and every state on I-35. And mm-hmm. uh, But New York was this almost fetishized grand metropolis. I had been there with my grandparents as a kid and seen how big and amazing it was. I was into theater. Uh, and I just, I had to be there. So I moved there um, with a friend of mine, Mike Lemke. And, uh, and I wanted to be an actor. And I auditioned every week every audition I could Mm -hmm. find, and I never even got a call back. I went, I I did stand-up comedy at like Caroline's and New York Strip. I did, I got into movies, I got into uh, all this other stuff, uh, played music, but never got to be an actor. Um, But I I still, I mean, I lived that, God, if you want to to make it oversimplified and generic, like imagine Rent, and there you've got (laughs) bohemian New York life, almost contemporaneous to when I was there. Um, so I lived that life. And uh, I, I lived in in the village. I didn't live in the village. My life happened in the village. Yeah. And then I went home to sleep. Uh, and, and I spent time in Washington Square Park. And, and I, uh, I was there. I was in New York when Ginsburg died. And uh, and I got dumped at the yeah. same time by this amazing woman who, who moved uh, back to Arizona to work in her family restaurant. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the poem is my New York experience. There's nothing in that poem that doesn't come directly from my life at that time. Kind of switching gears from the last poem by Jim and we're... Um... We were really grateful to have him on, and he uh, he really that that episode that we had him on. It was one of the episodes that, over the course of um, over the course of my time on the show, I've been really surprised by some of the guests. And I think I talked about this last week when we had Eric Timmons. Um, uh, we talked about Eric Timmons seg- segment, but. Um, Jim's segment, I was really surprised about what I received because I was thinking I was just going to, you know, hear about poetry and hear about raising, uh, children, but his story really ended up being a story about, um, navigating relationships and navigating healthy relationships and, um, really, um, offering a voice to, I think a situation that a lot of people are in and don't really have a lot of support in, and that's how do I co-parent well um, after, you know, after families, uh, after divorces, how how do I navigate being a good parent to my kids and having a healthy relationship with my co-parent? And so that was a really great and interesting interview, and just go ahead and, it's on the archives, it's on the podcast, but go ahead and take a listen. Um, the next poem we have on is by... Brett Brinkmeyer, who was another person that just absolutely amazed me um, over the course of his interview because he he just possesses this insight um, around healing and grieving and um, identity that um, was just really, uh, really uplifting for me to hear. Um, and also he played his music, which was something that I had not associated with Brett beforehand. Um, but we're going to go to one of his poems, and then he'll talk to to us a little bit about um, what that meant for him. I wrote this poem in 
I think 2009. Um, so it's old now, <laughs> but uh, it is still it's still really valid, and I think it it speaks to your show, like your topics a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, yeah. So I I'll just read it. It's called Sometimes We Run. Sometimes things are easier to see from far away, easier to see the outlines in the picture and the bold colors that fill the spaces, the bulges on stomachs and the glasses on eyes. Sometimes it's harder to see the light when it's up close and in your face, all around you and blinding you, but far away it can be, and it can just be. It can stay and it can go. And there's this whole show happening around us all the time with all kinds of lights flashing and buzzing and strobe lights and dances with laser lights and spinning colored balls and lights everywhere, lights on streets and lights on signs and lights all around you drowning your mind with device and your eyes devise, but they don't see sometimes when it's you. Sometimes when it's you, you can't see and you don't know where you're going really. You know ways to devise the past so that when you get to where you want to be, it was you who got there, and it wasn't someone else, but it was you. And it, But it's really tough. It's really tough to know if we're just buried in a big pile of snow with our own thoughts, or if it somehow means something beyond that. It's really tough. There are signs around. I mean, even the things that are your own thoughts came from something else. First, Think about a little kid trying to make all his first sounds and he's listening and he's staring and he's squinting and he's straining his ears. And she's picking herself up off her knees and getting ready to run. And she runs around and around and around in circles, not because she saw someone else do it, but because she knows how to run. I mean, sometimes when you run, it's not because you saw someone else do it. You saw them walk maybe with their briefcases and you saw them flatten out their dresses on their laps and sometimes you were a kid you didn't see them run but when you learned how to do it you never wanted to stop awesome thanks thanks so much for sharing that and sure um can you can you share with us a little bit about um you know, what, what was some of the stuff that you were, you were trying to process through or work through when you were writing that? Ooh, that's a good, good topical question for a conversation. And I haven't actually thought much about that as I've written this. Um, but I think this, this poem sort of was one of those that they sort of just come out sometimes and mm-hmm. you can't stop a poem from coming out or some writing from coming out. I think a lot of people in, in the creative arts can relate to those types of situations. And this was one of those. And I remember I was driving around, and I actually spoke this poem into a voice recorder. Um, and I edited a little bit when I put it, translated it onto paper, but not very much. And I think I was really kind of wrestling with, I was, I know I was writing another project. I was writing this longer fiction piece. And I was really wrestling with the idea of changing pace from running away from something I didn't want to running towards something that I did want. Hmm. All right. So that was Brett Brinkmeyer from our interview back in maybe November, as far away as November. Um, and yeah, I was, like I said, that interview was just a really great interview. 
Um, there, our next poem, or our next poet, actually came on the show twice. Um, once with Ursula, the director of KHOI, where he talked about um, volunteering for Access and KHOI and what that's meant for him. Um, but the second time, we just got to hear more about him. Um, his name is Josh Warren. He's uh, a person that is just really in, important to me, a, a really good friend at this point um, over the course of, you know, interacting with him at KHOI and Access and various writers groups. But he talked to us a lot about his um, experience as a man and ex- his experience um, acknowledging and identifying the fact that he does possess a privilege and really um, working through his own um, way of navigating that in a healthy way and um, giving us some words on, on what that looks like. And, you know, even even as far as in that interview to talking about how uh, he really seeks to write strong female characters into his creative writing and how, for him, that was what started as first just a challenge he then later recognized as a, as a necessity due to underrepresentation. And again, another fascinating interview. Um, this poem, he'll kind of talk a little bit about um, where it came from and what he was trying to express, but... This poem was one that really kind of took me back when I first heard it. So this one's called Forge Over Fire. There's a fire in our head and there's dynamite in our heart. And every day the fuse gets a little bit shorter. We can cause great harm. You have every reason to be angry. All you have to do is turn to a news channel and see all the gun violence and hear a spineless politician say, now is not the time to talk about gun control when they had five months since the last one to do so, and they didn't. Or when your extended family gets into the topic about rape culture, and they and you tell them that we shouldn't shame someone because of what they wear, and they brush it aside and say, being politically correct is fake, as if something like that was ever a matter of politics. We can be angered so easily, and we can explode. Or when a father of two in the small town hits his children, the first response I heard was, they were misbehaving, and they should respect their parents. Because family is everything, I suppose. The father is angry now, but those boys will grow up to be angry for the rest of their lives. They have the potential to be so destructive. Sometimes we can be so harmful and not even know it. Like in a hometown when, man, when a man shot his wife, and two weeks before that, the police chief told an assembly that domestic violence just doesn't happen here. And it's no wonder no one believes someone when they say they've been abused. After going through that much anger, you could combust like a grenade, like a suicide bomber, leaving a crater in the earth, a negative space, nothing left of the people closest to you. Sometimes it's not just a suicide bomber, it's just suicide. And the damage is all the same. The closer someone was to you, the more horrific the effect. They won't even be shells of their former selves. They'll just be nothing. We have every chance to be that awful. Forests made in centuries can be burned in days, cosmically corrosive as dynamite combustions. The minute an ember touches a tree, the fire will be out of control before anyone can say sorry and take that ember back. We all have that potential to be so destructive, but you don't have to be. Turn your pitchforks into protest signs. Sure, it's not intimidating, but it shows you're better than the immature ones who resort to the violence because rhetoric can leave marks on the mind deeper than some scars and more profound. You could be like an explosion, but you don't have to be. 
Don't be the dynamite. Choose the forge over the fire. But please keep that anger. Put a name to it. Use that fire to forge a passion in your soul instead of burning holes in people. Don't burn like coal. Burn the burn like the sun. Radiate your quantum flare and be a renewable energy source, not a fossil fuel that sizzles out after one use. Don't be an explosion. Be a cosmic star of hydrogen atoms combusting to give life and hope. We can be so destructive, but we don't have to be. We can be so much more. Hmm. I'm just always really impressed by your poetry. I think they, <laughs> Thank you. I think I've told you that. I don't think that's a new statement I've said. But I am always really impressed by your poetry. Um, when it comes to to that poem, can you explain to the the listener a little bit about, you know, what was, what was it that you were just trying to to speak in, I guess, into the world in that moment? Um, so this one's because uh, I feel like when there's a lot of news events, so for example, like gun violence, um, which almost felt like it was a strange time to share that now, especially hearing about yeah. the latest school shooting, unfortunately. Um, what I'm trying to say is like people have reasons to be angry they have every Mm -hmm. right to be angry and that's something I want to say is that that anger can be used in two ways you can use it in a very destructive way or a more productive way Um, and I think a lot of us like to move towards a destructive way because it's um, unfortunately some some of us have an upbringing where that's all we're taught to do is to just lash out in anger um, you know hit the person who hit you, that kind of stuff. Or you can use that anger to be energy for a more productive way. So protesting per se, or you know, some people take a career into politics for that because they want to see a better future for their kids or just for younger generations. And so that's just me. This poem's me trying to say like, you have every right to be angry. Now like critically think about why you're angry and try to look at ways that you can change the conversation instead of trying to, when people are fighting, thinking of it like a fire, instead of trying to keep that fire going, try to find a way to diffuse the current fire and light a new fire mm-hmm. for a, for a better purpose. Yeah. And that's all, that's all the poem poets that we have for today. And thank you so much for, for tuning in. Um, like I said, at the beginning of the hour, this, uh, this is actually our second to last episode of Men in Progress. And so um, we have we had today, and then next Friday is going to be our last episode. Um, that episode next Friday, I just anticipate it being like a, like a mini party in the studio, not like a crazy party because I'm not approved to do that. But, you know, just having um, two or three guests with me and us just having fun together and us... Uh, maybe responding to uh, some questions from younger men or maybe responding to our viewpoints on things like um, can men take bubble baths and really talking about some of these things that um, may feel like silly questions, but I think that young men actually ask themselves, um, like, can I take a bubble bath, which I do do, and I'm probably on my way to doing right now. Um, so, yeah, so it should be a really fun episode and we're going to do a a live show that day. Um, we have no clue who will drop in. I did want to take the time to just thank, um, to thank the, thank KHOI for opening their doors to us for this last year. 
um, to be able to do this show um, because what they're offering is a, is a really important space to talk about a really important message. We think that um, at Access, we think that really navigating what healthy masculinity looks like and really navigating um, what it means to be a man in a way that's not toxic is is really important um, and thinking about how do you um, how do you open up space for identity and to chew on those those topics of identity are really important and we wouldn't have been able to do that over the course of this year without KHOI Community Radio um, and their support not only in offering us this airtime right now but in offering support in something as simple as um, my sound levels throughout the year or uh, cutting and splicing episodes. I've I've learned so much from the station and their support. Um, and I just encourage you to continue to support community radio because um, whatever fills the spot after me, I, I guarantee you is going to be worth, um, worth uh, its time here and, and is going to provide something important to the community. Um, and I also just want to thank the listeners. And so whether that be um, podcast listeners or uh, people listening now on, on Drive Time Radio, you have been just really, really important for us continuing the show. And we thank you for tuning in, um, some of you week after week, because um, really what I'm doing here in the studio, it doesn't matter as much as um, what y'all continue to do week after week, um, thinking through these topics of what it means to be a man. And some of you may be talking to younger men in your lives about what it means to be a man. And this has been um, such a awesome experience to have, and we've been so grateful for it. And so thank you, listener, for just supporting this show over the course of this year. Um, and, uh, yeah, if, you, if, any, if any of you... Um, just desire to listen to, to more of the episodes or repeats. There are always going to be episodes on the archives at khoy.org. Um, and then also, um, if you just look at Man in, Men in Progress in podcasts, those will continue to be there as well. So listen to some of our back episodes. But thank you so much for being with us this year and um, just tuning in. Yep, have a good, good one.